0: Hey everyone, the podcast today comes from the need to address current world events for those stateside and those overseas, particularly in Russia. Having lived and ministered in Russia for seven years, having written a thesis on Russian worldview to obtain a Master of Arts in Global Studies from Liberty University, and continually ministering to Russian people online... I have a pretty good understanding of why Russian people believe and think the way they do. First off, it is absolutely necessary to understand that we can't group an entire country together when discussing worldview, which is the deepest element of culture, and what is at the base of all of our actions, beliefs, and thoughts, because the world is more international than it has ever been before. However, we can make some generalities. For instance, Americans in general tend to be more individualistic than Russians, and Russians tend to be more collective than individualists. And this means that Russians generally and usually make decisions based on how the decisions would affect the group they are a part of, which are Russians, right? And Americans generally and usually make decisions based on how the decisions would affect themselves individually. So our temptation and inclination as Americans is to look at world events and think about them from an American perspective, which is individualistic. I hear so much erratic and misguided comments about current situations in the world today, and honestly, I just let them go past me. I understand oftentimes they're spoken without a knowledge of the full picture uh, or knowledge from the other side. And I, I'm, by, I'm by no means uh, a know-it-all, uh, not even close or desiring to be so, but I can say that you know about the Russian, Soviet, post-Soviet, Eastern European worldview. We need to broaden our perspective to understand things from a different side. It isn't easy to do this. We must ask questions. We must be willing to learn, listen. We must be willing to learn. We must be willing to challenge our own worldview. We must be willing to consider our way isn't the best or only way. We must be willing as ministers to challenge our own interpretation of the Bible and ministry in light of the culture of the Bible and the entire world around us. There are some precautions obviously we need to take when doing this. One is to not let culture distort the truth of the Bible. The other is not to let our culture prevent us from seeing the truth of the Bible. You see, Jesus spent a lot of time speaking to challenge the legalistic worldview. We read those occasions and think of ourselves as out of the Bible. However, we ourselves right now and everything happening are still events, right? events that are being recorded uh, as a part of the history of mankind and this earth as we know it. We're just a small part, really, of the big picture I think shifting your perspective to that can give you some peace. We may not live to see the picture be completed, but we make up a part of it. One thing Christians all over the world need right now is peace. And I'm not actually talking about the peace you might be thinking of, like world peace, harmony between nations, etc. I'm talking about inner peace. I want to share with you three verses uh, that come actually before, right before my favorite bible verse and this starts in philippians chapter 4 and verse 5 the scripture says let your graciousness be known to everyone the lord is near don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god and the peace of god which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus inner peace is from god This peace comes when it doesn't make sense to have peace. Have you ever personally experienced peace when it didn't make sense? I know I have. I can tell you for a fact that inner peace from God has made it possible for me to follow God in faith. For the past 10 years, my salary has come only from God laying it on people's hearts to give to me and support me in mission work as I follow God. In that time, my wife and I have had two more children and that time we had traveled the u.s to share our calling moved to russia moved back to the u.s where we bought a house which is something i thought we would never be able to do there have been multiple times when i have felt and thought we're gonna have to stop and leave our calling to do secular work however god always took care of us and provided even when it didn't seem possible he gave me a peace that passed understanding that He was gonna take care of us as we continue to follow His calling for our lives. In Philippians, the theme is joy, and it is clear from Paul being imprisoned during this time that his joy, contentment, and peace come from the Spirit and were possible because Paul was able to look at things from a different perspective. What if our perspective was not to worry about our enemies, but instead to love? Our enemies. It doesn't make sense, right? It challenges our worldview at the very core. Love our enemies? Scripture says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48 You've heard it said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who you love, who, sorry, for if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What are you saying here? How can we love uh, evil people? How can we love our enemies? Um, You can love them by praying for them. You can love them by not repaying evil with evil. in, in, In Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. See, our perspective should be to pray for everyone and provide the needs for everyone in need, regardless of our view of them. I imagine we all have an image of someone in our mind that if they were hungry, we would not even consider giving them food. In fact, some of us might enjoy, sadly, seeing them suffer. However, this is contrary to biblical teaching. Let's look at one last passage, Proverbs chapter 24, verses 13 through 22. Eat honey, my son, for it is good, and the honeycomb is sweet to your palate. Realize that wisdom is the same for you. If you find it, you will have a future, and your hope will never fade. Wicked man, don't set an ambush at the camp of the righteous man. Don't destroy his dwelling. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get up, but the wicked will stumble into ruin. Don't gloat when your enemy falls, and don't let your heart rejoice when he stumbles. Or the Lord will see, be displeased, and turn his wrath away from him. Don't be agitated by evildoers, and don't envy the wicked. For the evil have no future, and the lamp of the wicked will be put up. My son, fear the Lord as well as the king, and don't associate with rebels, for destruction from them will come suddenly. Who knows what distress these two can bring? Verse 13, it's clear, eat the word, take it in, let it transform you, dwell on it, pray it back to God, live it. Verse 17, don't gloat when your enemy falls, and don't let your heart rejoice when he stumbles. It is contrary to our sinful human nature to not do this. But our testimony in Christ shines so bright when we don't do this, but instead love our enemies. It can not only change the heart of your enemies, it can change the heart of those around you who are watching. Verse 19, don't get agitated by evildoers. Verse 20, eventually their evil will be done with. Right? Eventually it's going to come to an end. Verse 21 through 22, fear the Lord. So the key here is don't fear man, but instead fear the Lord. I'm going to read an excerpt out of the book of, uh, it's called When People Are Big and God is Small by Edward T. Welch. He says this about facing the fear of man. Many of the people I've talked to also had an awakening when they saw the controlling power of other people. They awoke to an epidemic of the so-called, in biblical language, the fear of man. Although they were avowed worshippers of the true God, below the surface they feared other people. That is not to say that they were terrified by or afraid of others, although sometimes they were. Fear, in the biblical sense, is a much broader word. It includes being afraid of someone, but it extends to holding someone in awe, being controlled or mastered by people, worshiping other people, putting your trust in people or needing people. One additional note, just as fear in the biblical sense is broadly defined, so too is the word man. As used in scripture, it includes men, women, and children. When I use the biblical expression fear of man in this book, I am not limiting my focus to the male gender. I am assuming, as the Bible does, that every person in our lives has the potential to control us. However you put it, the fear of man can be summarized this way. We replace God with people. Instead of a biblically guided fear of the Lord, we fear others. Of course, the fear of man goes by other names. When we are in our teens, it's called peer pressure. When we are older, it is called people-pleasing. Recently, it has been called codependency. With these labels in mind, we can spot the fear of man everywhere. Have you ever struggled with peer pressure? Peer pressure is simply simply a euphemism for the fear of man. If you, are if you experienced it when you were younger, believe me, it is still there. It may be submerged and revealed in more adult ways or it may be camouflaged by your impressive resume, which are your perceived successes, right? Are you overcommitted? Do you find that it is hard to say no even when wisdom indicates that you should? You are a people pleaser, another euphemism for the fear of man. Is self-esteem a critical concern of yours of you? This, at least in the United States, is the most popular way for the fear of other people that the fear of other people is expressed. If self-esteem is a recurring theme for you, Chances are that your life revolves around what others think. You reverence or fear their opinions. You need them to to increase your sense of well-being and identity. You need them to fill you up. Are you always second-guessing decisions because of what other people might think? Are you afraid of making mistakes that will make you look bad in other people's eyes? Are you jealous of other people? You're controlled by them and their possessions. Do you avoid people? If so, even though you might not say that you need people, you're still controlled by them. Isn't a hermit dominated by the fear of man? Have all these descriptions missed the mark? When you compare yourself with other people, do you feel good about yourself? Perhaps the most dangerous form of fear of man is the successful fear of man. Such people think they have made it. They have more than other people. They feel good about themselves, but their lives are still defined by other people rather than God. To conclude our podcast today, When we love our neighbor, when we follow God, a natural side effect takes place, and that's peace. The world tells us to shoot our enemies to have peace, but the Bible tells us to love our enemies and pray for them to have peace. I pray that you might have some inner peace through the midst of the ongoing chaos in the world and the rumors of more and more chaos and more and more stress. This is the Heart Way podcast where we seek to help with problems at the source. Until next time.